Welcome back to the Shred Takes Podcast Show. I'm Mike Shredder. Thank you so much for joining the podcast again. Today, I'm going to be joined by Alex Shamrazadi, and he's coming to join us actually in a uh, a little bit. And basically, you know, it's a little bit about him. He's an amateur soccer player, one of my good buddies, and we're going to talk about Premier League. He's also a Boston guy, so. We're talking about a lot of stuff, and, and he actually might be right on. Alex, are you on the uh, show? Alex, Can you hear me? You on? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. There What's up, Mike? How's it going? So uh, just wanted to, yeah, I gave you a little introduction to the people, but um, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and because you're new to this platform, they might not know who you are. So um, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's Alex Shamrazadi. I go to Amherst College. I'm going to be a rising junior in this spring semester because I took the fall semester off. Uh, play on the soccer team, psych major. Come to all of Mike's basketball games if I can. <laughs> How have you been? I've been good. You know, just uh, so uh, you probably know this, I'm taking a year off. Um, so I'm going to be a rising junior in the fall of next year. So um could totally get your decision um talk a little right. bit about kind of what you've been doing um to try and keep yourself in game shape because i know for you at least at your position you do a ton of running and um right you, you have a ton of responsibilities uh both defensively and offensively because you have to control a lot of just the ability to get people involved on in the offensive end because that's normally what you do right you're not a huge goal scorer necessarily but you get guys involved there and then defensively, mm -hmm. you're gonna you have to be back in position um, to be able to stop a lot of transition. Again, also be able to kind of orchestrate with Bernie and defensive and what's gonna happen there too. So talk about what you've kind of been doing since you haven't been on campus and able to play soccer. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about geographically, Nico is probably the closest one. Nico and Felix have been the closest ones to me at home. Um, but with all of our different schedules, Nico in Wyoming. Um, it's pretty much just been kind of a train on your own uh, type of thing for the for the summer. It was a little more in groups, but basically taking this semester off, I focused a lot on running and getting in shape. Like you said, that's one of the most important things. Um, and you, you, you touched on transition too, and that was something that I noticed I was struggling with a lot during the last season. You know, we obviously had a great year, but it's been a good reflective period on thinking about, you know, what I can do better to, to get us over that hump next year. And my fitness, um, I've been doing a lot of stretching as well. Um, I had never been one to stretch a lot in my career. And this past year or two, I've been kind of plagued with little muscle injuries here and there. Um, so I've been trying to, trying to work on getting more flexible to, you know, eliminate some of those little knocks. Uh, but main thing is fitness and just trying to touch the ball as much as I can. I'm actually in San Diego now with um, a few teammates and we've been playing every day. So good to get that rust off your shoulders and get back on the field. Absolutely. Uh, just one thing I, I know, you know, we were looking to talk about some other things, but I want, you brought something up I wanted to touch on just as, as you were talking about. So I never really got to ask a lot of the guys, I mean, I asked you obviously on campus about this, but not really on the podcast, but kind of what it was like to go through the season you guys had. I mean, again, you guys were a national championship runner up, right? I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And again, I know you guys, you guys are some of the more competitive people I know. You want to win that game against Tufts. They're a big rival, right? And they've won 
you know, national championships, I believe the last two years. So, you know, they're, yep. they're, they're a team that you guys obviously didn't want to lose to, but talk a little bit of, again, what that was like and, and also kind of how that has motivated you in a sense too, because I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been a big, I, I don't know what it would have been like if we had won what, you know, having COVID and everything come in where everyone would have left off. But I know for a fact, everyone's been a lot more motivated having lost and then having, you know, the world shut down a little bit, um, having our season canceled. So it's, it's been a, a big, um, a big period of us trying to use that motivation to, to get better. And, and it was tough at the beginning. Um, at least where I was like fields were closed. It was tough getting out there and mentally, the last image you have of being on a soccer field is losing the national championship. So, you know, it was kind of eating away at a lot of the guys, but if you go back to our, to my freshman year, the year before this past year, um, we were not very good. Um, we're in a bad team, but we, we didn't perform to what, what we could have been. Um, and we actually went out to Tufts in, in an embarrassing fashion, three uh, zero at their place. So we've ended both of our years with Tufts now. Um, I don't know, maybe we didn't take it as seriously losing to them the first year, last year, um, because we obviously lost to them again. But if you remember, we played them in the middle of the season, uh, we beat them in a nail biter. And I think, I think that that may not have been the best thing for us in the course of the season. Um, because we felt pretty invincible after that. We, we were already on a great run, obviously, after that game, continue that run until, until the national final. But I think beating Tufts really mentally gave us the idea that we had a little bit of invincibility or a little bit of an advantage. And that carried us only so far until we met them again. So losing to them again in the final this year, I think is going to give us all the motivation in the world to, and also this time off. and. You know, when you lose that chance to play the sport you love, um, I think maybe people realize that they took it for granted a little having, you know, four years of, of college athletics. And I think it's gonna be really interesting to see everyone come back, you know, what they've done with their time and, you know, how hungry they are when they get back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm most looking forward to do that because I'm going to try and broadcast your games when I'm back on campus um, as hopefully a color commentator and then maybe play by play, whatever they want, kind of want me to do. But um, I, I mean, I, I found it really exciting. Obviously, you know, I've talked to you guys a lot about that, but um, shifting topics a little bit here. Let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on the Super Bowl, right? Uh, for me, major surprise. Um, did I, no, I'm not going to say that the Buccaneers won the game, but the fashion they won, right? They just, you know, oh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is running for his life. Uh, you know, I knew their offensive line was a little depleted. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Um, and my takeaways, and then you can you know, respond to this, were Patrick Mahomes uh, is going to be, I think, really motivated by this loss. And I think he's actually going to be better because I think he's going to learn different protections um, that he can put into the offense, kind of that he can't rely only on Tyreek and Travis Kelsey to throw the football to because – good defenses are going to figure that out. And that basically your game plan that you use in one game against the same team isn't going to work the second time. Um, 
And basically my other takeaway is that, which I already knew for about three or four years is that Brady's the goat and, and that he does, he doesn't need Belichick to win. Now Belichick and him are corporate, but that's still, I just don't think it's uh you know, Brady's proved that he's just, you know, as everyone has seen the last couple of days, he's just the goat. That's kind of, it. but enough about me. Let's uh, hear your thoughts about it. It, for some reason, just didn't have that much excitement to me. And I'm a, you know, Patriots fan for life, like Tom Brady's God to me. I don't know. I just didn't feel like I, I loved watching him win. But like once the game ended, it was, it was kind of past me. Uh, I just didn't feel any, I don't know, any like real like need to support the Buccaneers. Um, I, I don't really like the Chiefs just because they're our competitors, but I love Patrick Mahomes and I didn't even get to really see him shine, you know. So like, I don't know, I'm happy Brady won, huge Brady fan. The The game itself kind of got out of hand pretty early, not out of hand, but, you know, they started inching away the Buccaneers pretty much from the get-go and never looked back and I was I was I was kind of hoping for a closer game more excitement but it was great to see Brady win so now I, I, I'm going to talk about something that you're pretty familiar with and I've talked to a few of your teammates about this um, I was probably a little bit less informed in the summer about it but I've kept a little bit more track since I know you have some of you guys on in the future um, Premier League right and it's been Based on what I talked to Nico about it back in September, uh, this was before, you know, Man uh, United basically, you know, lost. You know, the, at, that, at that point, they had three losses when I talked to them. And after this, at that point, they basically haven't lost a game since. Um, and right now, they're second in the league. Man City's first in the league. You got Everton, who was originally first in the league, down to seven. Um, mm-hmm. Certain teams that are just underachieving, such as uh, Sheffield United, um, you know, uh, Liverpool's had a bunch of injuries, um, as, as I've heard, which has really delayed them because they, they brought a lot of newcomers in as well. So kind of talk about what, you know, you're, so like, why do you think then, you know, why a team like Everton, for example, who was doing so well at the beginning has dramatically shifted down? Because a lot of people who don't watch it are not going to understand it, right? Or they also like, why a team like Man United, who at the beginning of the year was struggling immensely, right? And... Even, you know, your teammate, uh, you know, Barky was kind of talking about, because he's a huge Man U fan, just like how, you know, poor they're playing. So about how they're right now, you know, second in the league and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, I think Man City, a lot of people understood. But Man United's been a team that's kind of been like mediocre for the last couple of years. Um, so talk a little bit about your overall impressions and, you know, other stuff you want to jump into with the Premier League. Yeah, okay. First of all, um, this year has been awesome. I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan, so not it hasn't been too awesome for me. But as like ruling them out as my favorite team as a spectator, like this is how probably people want to see the league. Um, you've got changes in the top four, changes in the top eight, the bottom three fighting for each game. Like it's all so close. And when you bring up a team like Everton, um, this is one of those seasons in the Premier League where if if you go on a you know two, three, four match winning streak you're going to move up a lot of places. It's just that tight in the rankings and the standings. Um, And a team like Everton started off out of the gates flying. And then a few injuries kind of here and there crept up on them. Um, They lost a big holding midfielder, Alan, who's um, came from Italy in the summer, a new signing who was really anchoring their midfield. 
and then he goes down and a team like Everton, as opposed to a team like Man United, Man City, Liverpool, they're not as deep. Um, so one injury can really affect them, uh, you know, in a major fashion. And I think that's what you've seen with Everton. They're starting to get their mojo back now, actually. Um, starting to get some players back. Um, but they were in really good form at the beginning. Injuries crept in. Um, lack of an offseason this, this past summer. Uh, I think the last game played of you know the previous season was in August, which is crazy because the Premier League season starts in early August. So you can imagine just, I mean, you also spoke about how much running there is just like the wear and tear on those muscles of not really, not a real break, you know, and then playing in a league like the Premier League, with, you know, with all the media attention and the physicality, it's been taking a toll on a lot of teams. You've seen that with Liverpool as well. Uh, Man City have had some injuries. Um, but the thing with Man City is that they are by far and away the most deep team in the Premier League. They've got, they've pretty much got one or two, maybe more reinforcements at every position. And so even though they lost their best striker, Sergio Aguero, and they're, who I think is the best player in the league, Kevin De Bruyne, they're on a 15-match winning streak right now. Uh, they just set the record for most wins in a row in England. And it, I don't know, it just shows if you can catch form in this league and start to break away from how tight it's been, it's a huge confidence boost. Man, you experienced it. They went on a, a tear of wins. Um, the whole morale around the club changed. Whereas it's the opposite with Liverpool. They can't seem to buy a win. And it just seems like the dark days right now with injuries and poor results. But it's been really exciting this Premier League season. One thing I kind of want to touch on, because I, 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 as you know, you know I've, I've been keeping a little bit in touch with it, more just kind of looking at scores, looking at the, how the tables are changing, right? Mm -hmm. So teams that have surprised me that were doing better in the beginning that have not done so uh, well recently is teams like Wolves, um, mm. and like they've drastically dropped, um, from what I saw them before they were in the top 10. Now they're like 14th. Um, like I said, Sheffield United, there are a lot of people who thought they were going to be take a step up. They're going to be good this year. Mm -hmm. Um, they're right now last in the division, which is again, um, again, there are different, you know, levels to that, right. It could be coaching. It could be, you know, players out, you know, out of the lineup could be talent, right. There's not talented enough right now this year. Um, COVID, you know, has made things very tough too. You're not necessarily having as many practice days and as many, you know, opportunities to really train and get better, um, you know, in that kind of you know sense, but kind of talking about like, you know, teams have surprised you and maybe why, you know, besides injuries, because injuries is the easy thing to go to. What are certain coaches in the premier league doing in your opinion? You, and you can go into soccer schematics. It's fine. That, that it's easier for you to explain. Okay. But just explain like why certain teams are, you know, really struggling because um, it, it, it's not primarily only due to injuries. I mean, Liverpool might be that case, but it's not only injuries, I think. No, it, it's definitely not only injuries. It's not, it's not only injuries for Liverpool either. They've just been shocking at times. But if you look at a team like Sheffield, I think they were pushing, they were probably right next to Wolves where they finished last year in the top 10, pushing for a European spot. Um, and a, a big part of the way they've changed play, and you've seen this with a lot of the lower to, to mid-table teams in the Premier League, is with so many fixtures, lack of off-season, a lot of injuries, COVID cases, I think a lot of these, you know, quote-unquote weaker teams, at least on paper, are sitting back and playing a very defensive game. 
you know, as they don't they don't want to have an open game every game, you know, once or twice a week because that's just gonna that's gonna create a lot of injuries within the team, a lot of fatigue. So you're seeing a lot of teams play a much more boring style of soccer where they're sitting back in in two lines of four and what we call parking the bus in soccer um, and just grinding out results and not necessarily getting wins, you know, settling for points uh, and moving on to the next week. And I think a big, um, I mean, you talked about coaching. I would also talk about uh, scouting. This summer, I think there wasn't, we were supposed to have a European championship this summer that happens every four years, obviously got canceled. And for some of the smaller to mid table teams around all the um, world's top leagues, that's like a big scouting opportunity to see what, you know, younger players rise onto the scene. And this summer, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but it, it is something this summer we didn't have that. So maybe a team teams that are, I guess you could still talk about Sheffield or West Brom teams that are in the relegation zone. Um, not able to to spend on, you know, how would you say it? Like little steals that come from the, like if you ever watch the World Cup, there's always some random people that just show out and, you know, make the jump to a Premier League club. And we didn't have that this summer. A lot of teams had to pay their staff, I think, and didn't want to allocate as much money to their transfers. I think if you've ever read about some some of the prices of soccer transfers, it's ridiculous. Like, I can't even, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> but obviously there was a decrease in activity in the transfer market due to, you know, trying to pay your staff while there's COVID and, you know, there's no games. So seeing a more, a more conservative approach across a bunch of categories from a lot of clubs. So one thing I just kind of was thinking about too is so, when I, when I think of like Man United, right? Because the, the reason why I'm sort of fixated on them is because they took a drastic jump. And the things I've heard was like, you know, their management hasn't done a very good job in the last couple of years in terms of talent, in terms of like building their brand, in terms of managing money, all that kind of stuff, right? And now they're second in the league when everyone was saying this team is kind of finished. Because I remember the days of like when Wayne, Wayne Rooney was at his highest, right? <laughs> Now that's a long time ago, right? So you're probably sitting there like, wow, Mike, your soccer knowledge is not that good, right? And, but the thing is, I remember them being really good at that time because again, they were able to recruit the top players there. The fan base was, you know, definitely invested into that team. Now, Grant, you don't really have as much of a fan base now because of COVID, but right. you do have the fact of, you know, I think now that the coaches have put stuff in place now because the coach, you know, has had his question marks too, right? Is he running the right schemes for them? Are they going to be able to be, you know, mature and not you know, have so many penalties in certain areas? Are they going to be able to, you know, withstand certain runs by certain teams? You know, but again, with all that said, they, they've had like, you know, a nine nothing win in one of the most recent games from what I saw, right? And I, I think it, you have to say, despite the, the dysfunction, it always comes down to the sense of like, you know, if you have the right players, you have the right scheme. It's kind of similar to a lot of sports you can kind of get through a lot of the wiggle room of maybe sometimes a poorly managed uh, franchise, don't you think? Yeah, and with a case like Man U, they, it's not that they never had the quality players. They, they had quality in the club. Um, and I think they just, they never had a consistency, consistency of their lineup, their best lineup put out. Um, 
for example, like, you know, when I watch the Celtics, I feel like they've never got their big three out there and healthy at the same time. I think, man, you experienced that for maybe one or two years. And, and this was really the first year that they, they found, they found their groove and, you know, they, they've had a better luck in keeping their team healthy and, you know, having that, when you're able to put the same line out, line up out each week, uh, players just get comfortable with each other. Start, especially if you're building momentum and winning, the team around that locker room is just sky high, and they they were experiencing that, still are, but uh, not to the extent that Man City have been. Let's uh, let's talk about since you're a Boston guy, let's talk about the uh, Boston Celtics. I'm going to give you uh, my. This is what I like to do with a lot of my guests. I'm I'm going to give you my takes from how from what they are right now. And, um, you know, as a Boston fan, you're probably not going to like everything I have to say, but I'm okay with that. Um, So the thing I was basically going to go into is that the Celtics, I think, look, you know, you can put them in that championship contender role. But the reason why I have them more as a pretender than a contender is not because of their two top stars. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think everyone agrees, especially with the fact that, you know, Jalen Brown might be the most improved player in the league this year. Those guys can get it done. I'm not questioning them. But the problem is you look at your lack of size at the big man position, right? And I know Brad Stevens is a believer in kind of going smaller, but they get crushed, you know, with that because Tice you know, is just, he's not, he's a good, I think, you know, energy backup center and at the, at this level, Tristan Thompson is, you know, okay. I mean, he can do some things, but he's not quite what he once was. But the problem is really, and I was, you know, I think Shaq made a great point on this. Kemba Walker's consistency is a big problem. And, um, you know, he had a, a game where he was four for 20. Um, I believe it was at Phoenix. And then, you know, two of uh, 10 against Utah. Now, again, those are big, you know, big games for your team, right? Utah right now is the best record in the NBA. Phoenix has, you know, one of the better records in the West and they have a top five defense. So my thing with Boston is they're more pretender, not because I don't think Brad Stevens can't coach because everyone I think in the NBA knows he can coach. Not because Danny Ainge isn't a good a good GM, but the issue is comes down to the fact that they don't have enough size. So they they play against like the Sixers, they can't stop Embiid, and that's just been proven. And they don't have enough of a third consistent score. I think is Kemba Walker needs to be like a twenty point game for guy, and he's not that on a consistent basis because I think his size, even though I love Kemba, does hurt him in a sense. Now, as a Boston fan, tell me if I'm making anything wrong and say here's why we're going to win the, you know, you know, get by the East and here's where we can go. No, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think one of the biggest things you said was Kemba Walker's consistency. And it was kind of the same thing. Cause he actually had a good year last year, but it was kind of the same thing last year with like Gordon Hayward's health. Like I, I just feel like we have a well constructed team most years, but the, it's always just like the idea of what we could be. Like it's always like, oh, how good would we would we be if Kemba, Tatum, and Brown went off like one night? And like the reality is, we're not really seeing that. And really, where we need Kemba is like when Tatum and Brown are are both on the floor, or even just one of them, the offense seems to be fine. Um, but if one of them goes cold, or if they're off the court, it it seems like we go through horrid stretches of bad shots, bad misses, no rebounds. And we give up, you know, it, it, it's like, it's moments like these where we give up big boots real quick. 
I remember game seven versus Toronto up 10. We were up 10 with like four minutes left in the game, in game seven. And like before I knew it, Norman Powell was going up to tie the game and Marcus Smart blocked him. So our mentality is terrible at times. Like individually, like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're dogs. They want to go at people. They're not scared of anything. Marcus Smart, I think, is the best defender in the league. Um, top five. Top five. <laughs> and um, the mentality is not the best of a little bit of a hot take, but uh, a little hot. Keep, no, keep, maybe one on one. Like, yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we throw away leads in big games like way too easily. And it happens all the time. And I wonder if it's like a mental thing for them now. Um, but I think our mentality is not there. I, I personally think Jalen Brown has grown up. Jason Tatum is still a little kid. Personally. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, I, I like to get in a little bit of discussion about, you know, I, I, look, I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, right? So it wouldn't really make me a Boston Celtics fan, right? So, which, you know, I, I think if that were with, with the, if that were the KG led Celtics, I would probably, you know, not be a Celtics fan because even though I, I think KG is one of the greatest competitors we've ever had in the game, as a Knicks fan, it was hard to like that team because, you know, he was going against the team I liked and, you know, trash talking the team I liked and whatever, right? But this Celtics team is likable, right? I mean, you have guys in that team that are likable, right? Tatum's likable, Brown's likable, Kevin Walker's a good, like, you know, again, you know, a likable star. Um, Marcus Smart, you know, is just like one of the best glue guys in the NBA, right? Um, here's the, here's their problem. And, uh, you know, I, I did touch on it, but the, you brought up a very interesting point that I think that, you know, is, is, is correct is that, yeah, Tatum, unfortunately is still not a matured player in a sense. So from a basketball standpoint, right. He takes a lot of forced shots where he can let the game come to him and, you know, make, because a, a lot of times when he gets in the mid post, he's always shooting it. Right. The difference between him and a guy like Katie LeBron is that Katie is very efficient. He doesn't have to take a lot of dribbles to make his, they make his moves effective, right? Everything with him, with KD is one to three dribbles. Tatum is a little bit more than that, right? But then LeBron, for example, LeBron knows how to get his teammates involved to start the game because he knows that he has to save his energy, right? That's the next step for Tatum. Brown knows how to actually how to kind of pick and choose when he needs to go, when he needs to attack, when he needs to get his teammates involved, when he needs to focus more on the defensive end. Um, and I think until Tatum masters that, there you had like you know, and Kemba Walker is inconsistent. You're gonna be held back because. Marcus Smart's not a consistent offensive threat either, even though he's an unbelievable defender and you don't have size. So, you know, I don't know if you agree with that, that assessment. I do agree. And I think Jason Tatum needs to take the next step because he doesn't get any calls. He needs that superstar level officiating. Yeah. We well, play the buck. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was just going to, I was going to say something about Giannis and the officials. Yeah, well, Giannis does get a lot of uh, no, like you know, a lot of calls that should be made or not made for him. AKA, he's traveling. Um, he takes about, but he's a superstar, and like exactly. he does get some. Tatum needs to get there. Yeah, well, I mean, look, Tatum falls into the boat, and you may agree with this of like the Donovan Mitchell kind of group, right? Now, Donovan Mitchell's have taken the next step this year in a sense of that his team is the best record in the, in the league. He's playing at a really good level. But the problem with Tatum is like Tatum's going to put Tatum puts up great numbers, but again, it's that level of trying to get your teammates involved that I think he can he can do because he does attract so much defensive attention. 
you look at his last two games, he's not shooting a very high percentage. And that happens a lot for him because he takes a lot of fadeaways, ill-advised shots, even though he can score. And, you know, I know Tatum's a great player. And look, you know, he's, he's, he seems like a very good teammate. Um, you know, the guys in the locker room seem to like him, right? So they have a, like a good nucleus there. It's just, you know, it's, it's a maturity standpoint. Um, you know, I was wondering also, you know, just kind of like, I don't know how much NBA you have been watching. I mean, I feel like you're watching a lot more soccer. But um, have you have you watched any NBA? I just before I ask. I've been watching a good amount, even some of the games that I don't care about. Yeah, so I want to ask you. So <laughs> it's funny people think I'm like you know Mister Talk about Brooklyn Nets on this show because I talk about them all the time. Um, it's more because they have you know the three best ice, well, arguably the three best ISO scores in the NBA, and they have one of the worst defenses I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, talk a little bit about like so. Everyone thinks like, oh, they're guaranteed to win a championship. They're guaranteed to come out of the East. Now, I think that they should be favored to come out of the East, but I don't think that, you know, them necessarily getting by Milwaukee or Philly is going to be a cakewalk because I think their defense is just atrocious. Um, you know, at, you know, last night everyone was going crazy because they held the, the uh, struggling offense of the Indiana Pacers to 94 points. Uh, I don't really know where people are going. But as a, you know, outside fan, because um, I could break down the basketball stuff, but that's boring. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like what, what you kind of think of that team. Um, and even like, you know, you can even add, add, you know, group and how you Celtics, you, the Celtics you think would fare against them at, you know, at this point of the season compared to when they got blown out the second game of the year by them. Yeah. The Nets are a problem. Uh, people won't, people haven't quite wrapped their heads around that yet, but someone's going to have to beat this team four games you know, four times at some point in the playoffs. And I'm not sure who's going to do that. As a Celtics fan, I think our best chance is if someone else does it. Like, I think we're the, the second best team in the East in terms of, like, playoff, like, coming into the playoffs, like, playoff ready. Because, like, the thing about Tatum, like, that I was telling you about, he's not mature, but it's hard for me to say that sometimes because I feel like he shows up in the playoffs. But yeah, immature, big picture. But I don't know if we can stack up against the Nets without Kemba Walker shooting like he did in Charlotte. I don't know. That it's gonna be tough. They may look pretty bad right now, but I think the Nets, like their biggest goal should be to get to the playoffs healthy with whatever record that is. Um, I don't think the Bucks are legit. I think the Sixers are better than the Bucks. Um I think it'll definitely be those four. I don't see Miami coming back. They've been struggling. I actually haven't watched Miami, if you want to tell me what's going on with them. I know they've had a lot of injuries in COVID. I mean, it's they, Miami. They've been playing better recently, but they're still like ninth or 10th place in the East um, at the moment. So um, They I, just – they're always digging themselves out of a hole. I, I checked ESPN earlier today, and it was like 29 to 17 in the first quarter in Houston. It just seems like they're always digging out of a hole. They played the Knicks the other night. They were down the whole game, and they won by two, something like that. Yep, I'm a Knicks fan. We unfortunately lost that game. Yeah. We only had a big lead, but, yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, <laughs> it's part of my point. Uh, yeah. I, I, unless the, next, the, the Nets have a unbelievable choke job, I think it'll have to be Lakers or Clippers that are, are beating them in a four-game series. And I'm not sleeping on the Clippers yet. 
I know they got a lot of slack. I, I don't know how – I don't know if they could win a championship, but I think they could win the West. Yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily just in a disagreement there. My issue is that is just, you know, it's always has been with that team is just the consistency of Paul George. Um, he's playing great this year. Um, unfortunately, he hurt his toe, uh, sprained his toe, so he's been out for a little while. But he's been playing great when he's been healthy. And, um, you know, I like Paul George's game a lot. I think his game actually is like he's a really skilled player and he does a lot of great things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the issue is like, look, I'm – I'm a LeBron fan, not like a LeBron, you know, you know, uh, glorifier to any extent, because mm-hmm. I will admit when the guy does not play well. Um, but the one thing I will say is that the West is going to be tough because you have to beat LeBron four games. And I don't care who you are. It's tough to beat that dude four games because he's seen everything. It's like, you know, going against Brady, right? It's just beating that guy in a playoff game. He's seen everything, right? But I do think that your point about the Brooklyn Nets is something that's interesting. Like, you know, people think that since I point out that this team is, you know, has some flaws that um, I seem like a hater and I'm not, I, I just, you know, look at the game, look at the stats and look at the way they play as problematic, not on, on the offensive end, the, the, uh, sorry, on the offensive end, the offensive end. I agree with you. It's going to be hard to beat that team four games because you have KD, you have Kyrie who are both guys who've proven in the playoffs. And if Harden just doesn't, does what he does most years and not come up and you know show up in the playoffs, that's okay because he'll probably get 13 assists because he'll just, kick it out to Joe Harris and um, Katie and, um, you know, Kyrie and all. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so like, the, you know, the, 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 I, I agree with you. Like, the reason I brought the Bucks just because the Bucks are the second seed in the East, but yeah, I'm agree with you. I'm not a big fan of the Bucks. I think that, you know, their style, oh, yeah. their style is still the same. It's just, they need to learn how to post up Giannis. Um, I don't think they need to make Giannis as like elite level jump shooter. Um, I, they posted, if they got more post looks, and he became like a 15-foot jump shooter. Um, that would be effective, but he still hasn't gotten that in his game. So until he does that, I don't believe in them. Um, but I do think Philly could be interesting. I think, you know, Philly's really well coached this year. Embiid's actually living to up to his potential. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the gist I see there. But one thing I wanted to just talk about, too, is just, so you're in California this semester. Um, tell everyone a little bit, if you're comfortable with it, obviously what you're doing there um so i assume you're, you're there for you're not going back to campus i assume right no no we'll be here we we got a rental out here to to train and take remote classes um till april 30th so right now we're staying at gabe's place we move into the rental tomorrow but yeah we'll just be taking classes training gotcha gotcha so um you know, that, that, that's pretty nice. So you're out in, uh, you know, warm yeah. or at least um, in New Jersey, we uh, just got two feet of snow recently. So that was a, a, oh, a lot of fun. Good. Um, yeah. But, no, I left DC like literally the day before it snowed a lot. So that was great. And I've never been further West than Texas. So, yeah, I actually drove to San Diego from Texas. It's interesting. It was fun. Me and Bernie. Oh, oh did, as soon as you just like see like Bernie, then go up to, Flew to Austin, where Bernie is, and then we just drove straight to San Diego. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, um, not going to keep you too much longer. Um, you know, I, I want to, you know, obviously this is like this is something I've been wanting to do for a while is have you on the show. So thank you so much for being on. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm more of a basketball football show, but it's always good to have a little bit of Premier League soccer um, because I think in the world's uh, 
standpoint, soccer is a much bigger game than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And uh, the athletes in soccer are just, they're superb athletes. Um, I will, you know, contest to that. So um, the diving has to stop though. That's a bad look for us. The, the what? The flopping? The flopping. That, that's a bad look for us. That has to stop. Well, that's something that you and basketball players have in common. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Everything's a foul in basketball nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the one thing is, like, at least at least in college, they're like a, you know, well, that's not true. In college, they do call a lot of ticky-tack stuff. It depends. On, it just depends on how the game's called, I guess. But, um, you know, they, they can start- get or you know you know yeah. yeah you know exactly but uh they're looking forward to seeing you soon and uh you know never be a stranger if you ever if you ever want to be back on again let me know um and uh pleasure t- tell the boys to say hello and uh, thanks again alex appreciate it just wanted to to ask you one more thing you said i mean you said you're a basketball guy what's your like legit prediction for for who's going to win it this year Legit prediction, um, I think the Lakers are going to repeat, and that sounds like a really, you know, easy take to do. Um, but the way that the, the way that they're playing, the way LeBron's playing, even with all the load he's had to do the last couple of games, um, the issue is, like, this is what happens, right? People just look for a team to, just, you know, disband. I mean, look, if the Lakers don't win it, they're, I think they're at least going to be there. Um, it's going to be them or Brooklyn, in my opinion. Um, I think Brooklyn will get to the championship because I think KD will will them there, um, or Kyrie, um, for that matter. Uh, but I think the Lakers just defensively and experience wise with that team have, you know, they, they got better, I think. And they also just, you know, they have LeBron and AD and I think LeBron, I think LeBron's going to be the MVP this year. Um, I, I do. So um, him or Embiid, um, I think. So it's just, uh, yep. that's, that's kind of where I feel, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, that's kind of how I feel with it. Um, you know, I'm excited. to you know, I mean, if I'm proven wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that, but it's just, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, 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 until LeBron, like, you know, shows you can't do it anymore. Anytime that he's playing at a MVP level with a like legitimate all-star level player, they're always in the NBA finals or have a chance to win. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. So. Well, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm hoping he, I'm hoping the only reason he makes it is to, to see my Celtics beat him. So <laughs> Yeah, well, if he, you know, you know, he, he, uh, do you see that video? Um, this is a sidetrack. Do you see that video when he, uh, you know, jab stepped Tice like 15 oh, times? I was watching it live. I was like, good defense. I was like, really happy. <laughs> you're like, you're like want, you want to get in his space a little bit to like, you know, make him not do that to you? Like, he's obviously going to shoot it. He's not looking to drive, you know. It's well, just... did you see the way um, Dort defended him yesterday? Oh, yeah, I know. The hands in the face. That yeah. was. That was crazy. That was some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, don't want to keep you too long. So uh, thank you again. And, um, you know, again, looking forward to seeing you soon. I, I, I miss yeah. you and the soccer guys for sure. Um, Same, Same yeah. goes to you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully things are better, you know, uh, you know, we can link up, whatever, but if not, I'll probably just see you in the, in the summer or whatever. So, um, you know, uh, have a good time in California, man. And, you know, it's, it's nice out there and I uh, hope you and the boys do it. <laughs> you know, do, do some good work and also, have a good, you know, have some fun. Yeah. It was great to be on here. Great to talk to you. Keep grinding. Wish you the best and I'll see you soon. Oh.